1: Hey, welcome to another Perian uh, Post podcast. We've been having some technical difficulties, so we're a little late uh, getting this one up there. But for those of you that have been following along, you know that we have been going through the book of 1 uh, Corinthians. And as uh, my custom, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in, starting in 1 Corinthians uh Chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 9 and 10 after I take a sip of my coffee here. Paul writes, As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them unto us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Paul starts off this passage with the phrase, as it is written, and it's reasonable to assume that at this point he's quoting from the Old Testament. However, as we have searched the Old Testament for the specific reference and worded the way that it's stated here, we have found nothing with regards to an exact match. However, that's not to say the concepts here do not represent Old Testament teaching. And the reason why is because there are passages in the Old Testament that correspond to the concepts being set forth here. The consensus among scholars seems to be that Paul is, from memory, combining passages from the Old Testament and creating a statement from partial quotes from different Old Testament passages. For instance, in Isaiah 6, 4, Um, 64.4 rather it says for since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by ear nor has I seen any God besides you who acts for those who wait for him now this verse says that there's no God like Yahweh who works on behalf of those who patiently wait for him while it does not explicitly mention things prepared for those who love God it emphasizes the uniqueness and incomparability of God In Isaiah 65, 17, um, it's written, For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. The former earth shall not be remembered or come to mind. Well, this verse speaks of God's future renewal or recreation, um, where a new heaven and uh, earth will replace the current world. It suggests that the future holds something entirely different from what has been experienced or imagined. The specific phrase, deep things of God, is found in the Old Testament, well, sort of, in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 22. The passage reads as follows He reveals deep things, deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. In this context, the verse is part of a prayer of thanksgiving by Daniel, acknowledging God's wisdom and understanding. While it does not directly mention the deep things of God, it Conveys the idea that God is the revealer of profound and hidden knowledge. But as we look at this passage, it's interesting that Paul states neither eyes nor ears have perceived the remarkable things that God has in store for those who love him. Why did God why did Paul choose the word love instead of obey? We've read this text in the past and we've unconsciously swapped love with obey. And this of course arises a It raises rather a thought-provoking question, do we we genuinely love God, or are our actions driven by fear as we strive to do what God expects from us obediently? Martin Luther, the 16th century reformer, realized that his sole motivation for serving God was rooted in fear, driven by the consequence of hell as depicted by Dante. This understanding is tied to Luther's decision to become a monk, which transpired amidst a thunderstorm. Struck by lightning and fearing for his life, he thought sought the intercession of Saint Anne, uh, the miner's patron saint, and vowed to embrace monasticism if he survived. Thus, Luther's dis, uh, Luther's um, inclination to pursue the mo- monastic path originated from fear and a commitment to obedience, rather than genuine love. It leads us to ponder whether our own actions are similarly motivated by fear as we strive to fulfill God's expectations. But do you love God? Why do we follow him and seek to obey him? What is our motivation? Is it fear of hell? Is it terror of the Lord? Is that our motivation towards obedience? Or is it fear of missing out on the rapture or going through the great tribulation perhaps? Of course, fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and even Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord persuade we men. Yet, as we grow in our understanding of the scripture, we know that those phrases have context and are nuanced, and forgetting the nuance and context leads to strange ideas about scaring the hell out of people as a form of reaching people. Yet still, it seems better, an understa- uh, a better way of understanding of how to reach people would be more in line with loving the hell out of people. Well, here Paul exclaims, hey guys, uh, there are great things in store for those who love God. Undoubtedly, as some read even these words, they may interject, ah, yes, but if you love God, you will keep his commandments. And without doubt, they'll present a detailed list of commandments that they believe should be followed to prove one so-called love for God. We find this line of thinking to be somewhat nonsensical. Instead, the wise words of Augustine of Hippo come to mind. In his sermon on the first epistle of John, he writes, Once for all, then a short precept is given to you. Love and do what you will. Whether you hold your peace, through love, hold your peace. Whether you cry out, through love, cry out. Whether you correct, through love, correct. Whether you spare, through love, do you spare. Let the root of love be within. Of this root, Can nothing spring but what is good." Those with spiritual insight understand the profound meaning behind this statement, while the simple-minded may only perceive it as a license for anything. However, the clear teaching of the New Testament is that love should be our motivation. We love God because He loved us first. The essence of the law lies in loving God and our neighbor. And adding the phrase, and your neighbor, is redundant because to love God is to love others. If we truly love God, we would love what He loves. Not just principles and precepts, but people. God did not love the law so much that He sent His only begotten Son to uphold it. Rather, God loved the world and its people, and He sent His Son to save it and them. Yet the question, question remains, do we love Him in return? Yes, there are wonderful blessings in store for those who love him. But even if there weren't, would you still choose to love him?
0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the and Post Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion and it's brought you some encouragement and insight. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with all of our latest blogs, posts, and podcast episodes, be sure to visit BrianPost.ca and subscribe. Don't forget to share our website with your friends who might need some inspiration or motivation. You can also join our community of bright future Bible freaks on Facebook. Until next time, may peace and blessings abound in your home.